Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly royal chat show right here on Mail Plus. I'm joined in the studio by royal writer Victoria Murphy and the Daily Mail's Saturday diary editor, of course, Richard Eden, partner in crime. Let's have a look at what's coming up on the show for you today. Well, who needs a throne when you've got the bench? Meghan announces her debut as an author with a new picture book. And Prince Harry gets a rock star welcome in top billing alongside J-Lo, no less, at a pro-vaccination fundraiser. And the royals have some of the best security in the world, but as news comes out of another break-in on the Windsor estate, we ask former Royal Protection Officer Ken Wharf, how could this happen? But first, polls say that 30% of children in the UK today want to become YouTubers. And it looks like Kate and William are down with the kids as they've joined the platform. They announced their arrival with a short blooper video of them over the last few months. So let's take a look at that now. By the way, you'll be careful what you say now, because these guys, they're filming. I know. So you don't need to roll your arm. Do you know where it is? Well then, I don't know what to say. Here to tell us more is the Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English. Rebecca, YouTube, the question is why? Well, the official explanation is that the royal family have always had their own YouTube channel, which William and Kate have been part of. But William and Kate have got their own Instagram and Twitter, so it seems about time they had their own YouTube channel as well. But, of course, let's face it, what it's about is attracting a kind of younger, cooler audience. And I think, you know, what we will see on screen with them will reflect that as well. What sort of content do you think we can expect? Um, well, I've been told it will be kind of more extended versions of what we'll see on Twitter and Instagram. But, you know, as we've seen this week with these kind of, you know, slightly kind of funny outtakes, there, there'll be a bit of exclusive content as well. And I think it's a, a chance for them to maybe break out in a way that they wouldn't be able to do on the Queen's official YouTube channel. Yeah. And the, the first video, as you said, very informal, lots of behind the scenes engagements, a few little bloopers. Do you think this is a concentrated effort to seem more approachable? Yeah, de definitely. I mean, that's, it's quite a fine tightrope they've got to walk because, of course, at the end of the day, William and Kate are going to be a king and queen and they obviously need to bear that in mind. So I don't think you're going to see them becoming YouTube pranksters overnight or anything. But they've always had quite a buttoned up persona, haven't they? And I think this is a chance for them to cut loose a little bit. But as I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect them to see them going too wild just yet. And not only do we have this YouTube development, but they've also changed their Instagram handle, I believe. They have. I mean, I wouldn't get too overexcited about that. That's just more a procedural thing um, to bring it in line with other social media. That said, it was a bit awkward for them because, of course, Kensington Royal was created when uh, they were a trio with Prince Harry and later briefly joined by Meghan. So I think it probably is uh, long overdue for them to be the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge as a brand in their own right. 
Well, joining me to discuss this now are my guests, Victoria Murphy and Richard Eden. Welcome to you both. Victoria, will you be liking and subscribing? Are you into YouTube? Well, I mean, I'll certainly be watching and keeping an eye out for what they're doing. You know, I think this is, as Rebecca said, it's an opportunity for them to perhaps be a little bit more informal. And I think they've got more relaxed. It's always very gradual with the Cambridges, I think, everything they do. But I think they have become over the years, I think, a bit more relaxed about giving us a little bit more insight into those behind-the-scenes moments and into how they interact together and how they interact as the family. And I think that that, you know, is what people really like to see. But I also think it's another, it's an example of what has become a trend with the royals over the last few years and what they want to do which is to produce content and to put it out in their own way on their own terms and to have complete control over how they're perceived and it allows them to be as behind the scenes as they want to be but then of course you know not reveal anything at all unexpected what kind of content are you expecting to see on this richard well, it's great they're on YouTube. I've got two teenage daughters and they seem to pretty much live on YouTube. Yeah, so I am sure yeah. they'll soon have um, new yeah. fans. Um, but I think the important thing is to keep it regal. You know, I remember that. Um, you remember the programme that... That's what it should be called. <laughs> keep it regal, yeah. You remember the item yeah. that Prince Harry did with James Corden on his show? Oh, do I? And, yeah. you know, it really was. Um, it was funny in parts, but it, it was a bit cringe-making. And I, I, I don't want them to go down the sort of light end entertainment route you know we need to bear in mind this is our future king and queen but this is the thing victoria it seems to me like it is going down that route and forgive me even their relaxed informal kind of thing there feels a bit stiff to me is it, it, it is it going into competition with the chillaxed sussexes is Does that it? what this is about i i mean i think i i can see why people ask that question about the sussexes because you know of the timing and of the fact that this is the Cambridge's, you know, appealing clearly to a younger audience. But I don't think it's a huge divergence from the things that they have already done and the ways that they have already used social media. I think we might see slightly longer videos, maybe a few more outtakes, but they have been in a quite modern way taking advantage of social media for quite a long time. So, and I think if people are imagining that they're going to see them in a completely different guys, completely different persona. I think I think that's wishful thinking. I think it's still going to be treading that line they've always trodden of having an eye on maintaining um, that that image that allows them to then go on to be future king and queen without having done or said anything or behaved in a way that is at odds with that. But when you're the royal family, you could presumably put up video of you boiling the kettle and everyone would be thrilled right they don't they're not going to have to try that hard are they i think a lot of effort will go into it i'm sure i mean it always does you know i think they've they gained i think 10 million subscribers to their channel in five hours or something amazing like that so you know there will be huge worldwide interest and so it does need to be taken seriously but i hope they will use it to illustrate um, what they do, their work, their charities. It could bring some really useful light into some really important causes. Keeping it regal. <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, while it's often said that Kate is the queen of the early years, now Meghan is entering the arena as a children's book author and it's due for release this weekend. There's been no end of commotion about it so far. The Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English, is back with us now. What can you tell us about the book, Rebecca? It comes out in June. As you say, it's called The Bench. Um, it's the story of a bond between father and son seen through the eyes of the mother and apparently is based on a poem that Meghan wrote for Harry after the birth of their son, Archie. I mean, you're right, there has been a little bit of commotion about it. I mean, I, I saw 
people trying to build up a head of steam on social media this week, trying to suggest the book, you know, was loosely based on another book that's been out. I think that's a bit unfair, actually, because, you know, can you not write a story about teenage magicians because there's Harry Potter? You know, the, the, there's very few things that are completely unique. But what I find very interesting is is the branding, the fact that it's Meghan the Duchess of Sussex, you know, very much using her royal title. And also the fact that her representatives were very coy about saying whether she was getting paid for it, which I think suggests that she is. So this is obviously very much a commercial deal, not a charity book, as we've seen other members of the royal family bring out. And how did this book deal even come about? Do you know? Well, this actually is really interesting because I was told Megan had actually written another book, which is a book about guy her rescue dog and about his rag to riches story um uh, being rescued from a pound and being you know brought to the uk and living in a palace and that was that was really at quite a late stage but it was switched at the last minute for this book because it was felt that this would be more appropriate and more um, suitable as an entry into the american market so you know it, it wasn't her first foray into writing i have to say now speaking of that question of um what the deal entails and whether it's a charity project or a, or a personal commercial venture. You know, just ask David Williams. Children's books can earn you quite a nice coin, can't they? Can we expect a whole series of these, do you think? Absolutely. It's a really lucrative business, isn't it? Um, and uh, yes, apparently so, that she enjoys writing. You know, they think she's a good writer and that not only are we likely to see more children's books from her if this is successful, but possibly adult books as well. So watch this space. Thanks, Rebecca. Well, it's hard to think of anything less controversial than a children's book, but here we are again because Megan's involved, it seems. There already seems to be a massive backlash, Victoria. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of criticism about everything they do, you know, attracts debate. But this, I think, has attracted a lot more, perhaps, than some other projects. And I think, I mean, some of the criticism, I think, around, you know, should she be writing about the father-son relationship and, you know, we're talking about her relationship with her father. I'm not sure how relevant that is. But certainly when we talk about the title, um, you know, seeing that on the front of a book. You mean very the, front the royal centre, title? The royal title, By, by yeah. Meghan Duchess exactly. of Sussex. Exactly. Yeah. A book is a very personal, very permanent thing. And, and it's a very strong visual reminder of this debate about them using the titles they were given when they were working royals in their new lives and for a lot of people that is at odds with this independence that they have so vocally sought um, but I think f what I would also say is that I don't think that the, the use of the title will actually have any bearing on the um, commercial success of the book I think if the book if it said Meghan Markle I still think it would sell just as much because they have these enormous profiles and however they style themselves they have the capacity to to, to be incredibly successful with what they do but I think and, and yet another point, given, given that choice though and yet given that choice we've gone with Duchess of Sussex yeah and, 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 mm. and I think there is you know I think some people are say, you know, say well, well, well why make that choice and I'm, I'm not sure that's completely clear but I think I think what what, what makes this project, I think, more more vulnerable to criticism is it, we still don't know if there is a giving back element to this, as Megan's as um, Megan as Rebecca said, <laughs> and um, and I think you know this because this is a couple who have this capacity to be hugely successful with the profiles that they have, and they have consistently said that they want to use those profiles in order to give back, in order to shine a spotlight on charity, and it's not completely obvious with this project how that is happening yet. It's not about a cause, and we don't know what the financial situation 
question is, yeah, and I think for a lot of people that, that will be very important to understand that there is a giving back element in order to be consistent with, with how they say they want to use their mm. profiles. Do you think it's fair, the criticism, Richard? I feel slightly like I have to say sometimes it feels like things get criticised simply because it's Megan behind them which doesn't seem that fair. But. I know what you mean, but they just keep giving people a reason to criticise them, I think. I mean, I think, first of all, you know, I find it hard to keep up with the Sussexes. I really do. You know, one minute they're criticising the royal family, they're attacking them publicly, and the next minute Meghan's using that royal title on her book. You know, loads of people have titles. There's the royal biographer Sarah Bradford, you know, very acclaimed biographer, and she's a Viscountess. She doesn't use it on the cover of her books. Um, you know, and also the subject matter. You know, one minute they're in the courts over privacy, and the next they're writing a book inspired by a poem she wrote for um, for Harry for Father's Day, and it's all about you know a father's relationship with his son. It's all um, very strange to me. But having said that, I'm very impressed that Meghan was writing a poem for her husband, you know, within a month of giving birth. I know, I, I really, she's showing up the rest of we mothers. I did ask my, my <laughs> wife, you know, did you, did you compose me a poem? And I, I think I got a slap in return. But um, it, it, amazing woman, clearly. Yeah. I mean, I always think the irony with the Sussexes is that, you know, that whatever they, they do, there's huge interest. And, and part of that, and part of the reason whatever they do sparks so much discussion is, is because of the controversial element around it. So in a way, you know, their critics, the people who are coming forward with this debate, are it, it fuels their notoriety and, and therefore indirectly also, you know, fuels the, their ability to have the profiles that they have to do what they want with. Mm. I mean, why get so in a twist about a children's book? She's not the first royal to write a children's book, is she? Well, exactly. You know, this is a very, very well-trodden territory for members of the royal family, both working royals and non-working royals. And, and we have... Didn't, didn't Sarah Ferguson have a book? Well, exactly. Yeah. And that was a commercial venture. And yeah. she put her title on that as well. So there isn't a difference there really at all. And so... Well, but did, was that at a point where she had sort of publicly said, I don't, I don't need a title. Well, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't think she ever said that. Yeah. But I think, you know, that, so, so we've definitely seen members of the royal family produce books. There's nothing new about that. And also, um, you know, yeah, when Meghan was a working royal, she produced a book. You know, she did the foreword for a cookbook. So it's, uh, it's very well trodden territory. You, you, yeah, but for charity, I mean, there's a huge difference. Yeah. Come on, this is, you know, for money. There's no question about that. I think that. we have to wait and see. I think, I think we, what we've been told so far is that there's no information about the financials. So I think, I think let, let's see what they come forward with. But I agree, I think that will be quite an important element for people to, to understand, is there a giving back part to this? Mm. Well, you know, we can't let today pass without marking another special occasion. It is actually Archie's second birthday. Did you know? Mm. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Rebecca, how are the royals planning to mark this lovely occasion? Well, it was a bit of a tricky one for them, actually, because obviously Harry and Meghan are no longer working royals. But as the Queen says, they're very much family members. So each of the three households, Buckingham Palace, Clarence House and Kensington Palace, have all posted birthday wishes with photographs um, on their social media account. It's quite interesting, I note, though, that the photographs are all ones that we've seen before, um, because actually there's very few photographs of them with Archie because he hasn't been in the UK for such a long time. Oh, either way. Anyway, happy birthday, 
baby Archie, still a baby. So we've covered Megan and Archie. That just leaves Harry. We can't forget Harry. And as Megan has been busy prepping for her author's debut, Harry has been on stage at the Vax Live concert calling for vaccines to be distributed to everyone everywhere across the world. Now, we spoke about this last week, Richard. What did you make of Harry's Vax Live stage performance? <laughs> well, how can he compete with J-Lo, you know? But, well, I think he did. <laughs> it, was, um, it must have been nice. You know, he, um, it's a great cause, and he appeared on stage to a, an adoring crowd. Um, so, I mean, hopefully he enjoyed it. I mean, I thought, again, it's all, you know, a bit naff. Prince Harry, Duke of <laughs> Sussex in, in light. But I, I think it's, it's that sort of thing. That's what Meghan wanted. And, you know, that they went to North America for privacy, we were told at the time. And instead, we've got Harry the rock star. It's a very different approach, I think. Well, interestingly, here we are on this old chestnut again, Victoria. Harry sort of saying on... James Corden. Oh, I'm just Harry. Just call me Harry. But he was introduced as Prince Harry. Were you surprised at that? I mean, no. I think those t the way that the titles have been used have always been fairly fluid. Even when he was a working royal, there were times when he would be called Harry and that would be fine. So I'm not sure that there's a there's a, really a big difference there. I think, and similarly, this type of event, you know, working royals have appeared at large scale events. Mm. Think when Harry was a working royal, he did things like We Day and, you know, those yeah. things are actually very similar in tone. I suppose for me, what I think is interesting about him now appearing at these things is that it sort of reminded me sort of that question of who is he representing because really now he is effectively representing himself mm. in the same way that other celebrities are and that doesn't mean that he can't use his profile to advocate which he absolutely is doing and will do but it's different to when you're a working royal and you your w words carry the weight of that representation of the institution and in some cases when they make speeches representing Britain overseas you know there, there, there's an extra element there that he his words now don't have he's mm. he's very much there as an individual mm. Rebecca I want to bring you in here we've got Harry on stage with JLo we've got William with his blooper reels on YouTube the brothers again taking very different approaches to engaging with the public aren't they Yes, I think that's intrinsic to their personalities. And despite Harry saying several times over the years to me and others, oh, I just want to go off and work as a ranger in Africa, he's actually always really liked that showbiz element of being a royal. He likes having the kind of the, the rock stars and the actors and the actresses on speed dial on his phone. So, And he's liked an audience. He likes standing up and, and speaking, and he's very good at it. So, um, you know, he's naturally drawn to that, whereas I think William is... He obviously rubs shoulders with celebrities because certainly when it comes to philanthropic work, that's really important. But I think he, as a working member of the royal family, has to use that in a very different way and handle it very carefully. Many rock stars' phone numbers on speed dial in your phone, Rebecca. I can tell you precisely none. <laughs> <laughs> disappointing, disappointing. Now, it's great to see the royals on our computer and TV screens, but what if you want to get up close and personal? Last Sunday, one couple managed to do just that as they gained access to Windsor's Royal Lodge after scaling some fences. And this is the third time in the last two months that the police have been called to arrest intruders to Her Majesty's property. Rebecca, what happened this week? Really worrying this, isn't it? Um, that uh, only days after a fixated woman was um, arrested actually inside Prince Andrew's 
uh, mansion at Windsor, Royal Lodge, we have a couple scaling the walls and getting into the grounds. I mean, they didn't get as far as this other woman, but you would have thought that things would have been on high alert after that previous incident. So um, it's a great concern. I mean, there's one thing that many police um, experts say to me, the, the biggest threat to the royal family is not you know, terrorism or anything like that. It is these fixated intruders. Um, these are the people who will stop at nothing because we once saw with Princess Anne many years ago to get close to members of the royal family. So um, I asked this about yet another major security investigation as a result of this. Fixated enthusiasts. Got our eye on you too. Well, one man who knows all about keeping the royal estate secure is Ken Wharf, and here he is to tell us what's involved in guarding members of the royal family and how this could have possibly been allowed to happen. Keep, keeping royal estates secure is a problem. You know, from my time there in the mid-80s right through to 2002, I mean, there were several break-ins throughout the country, Sandringham, Highgrove, um, Windsor Castle, Buckingham Palace. And why is that? Because actually they're not that difficult to break into. And uh, every time somebody breaks in, there's a, a, a review. And actually what, not a lot comes out of that review because there, if you really want to stop this, then you need to put another 15, 20 feet on top of the existing walls, have watchtowers every 30, 40 feet. But of course, the one person that would not wish that to happen would be Her Majesty the Queen herself. So she's prepared to run the risk of people scaling her walls in the hope that that person or those persons are captured by the protecting police in the meantime, which in most cases they are. The two breakings um, in quick succession at Royal Lodge in Windsor Park, um, I'm surprised actually people, you know, concern themselves about it or surprised about it because this has ha been happening certainly since my time um, in, in the mid-80s. Breaking in is the easy part. What the concern is, is actually what's the intention of the people that break in. But I mean, I remember, for me, one of the most entertaining um, intruders was actually when Fathers for Justice, you know, that group of men that felt that they were being denied access to their children, staged a series of fantastic demonstrations. They dress up as Batman and Robin and scale the, the perimeter fence of Buckingham Palace. And in this particular case, um, managed to find themselves in the royal balcony, that hallowed turf that nobody other goes to except the Queen herself. And suddenly we have Batman and Robin suspended from this balcony. At this particular time I was out, I was actually working for a TV company and I actually went down to Buckingham Palace and gave a piece to camera and said, look behind me, this is an unusual scene. We have Batman and Robin from Fathers of Justice about to be arrested by police. At that point, a woman gives me a tug on the arm, an, an American lady, she said, no, Excuse me, was that Batman and Robin? And I said, yes, it was. She said, oh, she said, look, we've been here all day. This is, my, this is my brother Jack. This is my three children, Emily, and so forth. She said, you know, we never saw the Batmobile go in. <laughs> Can you honestly believe that? I mean, that for me was a, an interesting aside to a break-in at Buckingham Palace. But again, there's a classic example of two guys using Buckingham Palace, the establishment, you know, to make a point, to, to, to make an issue. Um, that's very unusual. Most people break in with no real intention. 
And with that, I'm afraid we've come to the end of this episode of Palace Confidential. Thank you, as ever, to my guests, Rebecca English, Ken Wolf, Victoria Murphy and Richard Eden. Of course, if you can't wait a week for Palace News, and why should you have to? You can sign up to the Palace Confidential newsletter written by our very own Richard Eden to get even more insight into all things royal and regal. Keeping it regal. See you next time. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. And of course, you can come back next week and join me, Joe Elvin, for more Palace Confidential. Mm-hmm.